So we are continuing the uh, discussion that has just begun between mother and son, but not your average mother and not your average son. <laughs> mother is a daughter of Swayambhuvamanu, the the big cheese in the universe. Uh, Kapiladev is the incarnation of God, <laughs> so it's a special discussion and. Um, Kapiladev is speaking now one of the most famous verses in the whole Bhagavatam, this verse number 21. It's a good verse to memorize if you can. Tikshiva Kurunika Surida Sarvadehinam Ajatta Shatava Shanta Sadava Sadhu Bhushanam. The symptoms of a sadhu are that he is tolerant, merciful, and friendly to all living entities. He has no enemies, he is peaceful, he abides by the scriptures, and all his characteristics are sublime. So he has no enemies. Um, so Prabhupada was asked, well, you know, it seems that some devotees have enemies. He says, yes, but he doesn't consider himself the enemy of his enemies. And the first sentence, a sadhu, as described above, is a devotee of the Lord. Uh, his concern, therefore, is to enlighten people in devotional service to the Lord. That is his mercy. He knows that without devotional service to the Lord, human life is spoiled. So that's Prabhupada talking about, uh, oops, I, oh, I hate when that happens. I pressed the wrong thing. Um, that's Prabhupada referring to his mercifulness, or the devotee's mercifulness. Um, and then a little later he says, he is not satisfied with his own liberation. He always thinks about others. So, <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a certain a step in the right direction of pure devotional service, right? To be thinking about the welfare of others. Um, we talked, we're going to actually talk about this in the, in the Sunday open house today, but um, in order to do that, one needs trust or faith. I, I like the word trust more than faith somehow. Faith is misused a lot in English language and it often kind of implies blindness in one's faith. So trust, what is that? The, the trust, uh, trust in something sublime, what is that? Unflinching faith or unflinching trust in something sublime? Faith in something sublime, something like that, yes, yeah. So, um, so what that trust means specifically, generally it's said, is trust in the sadhya and trust in the sadhana. So you have trust in two things, the goal, the sad means sadhya in Sanskrit, and then, so yes, I have faith that the goal is love of God, and it's, it's attainable by the mercy of Guru and Krishna. And then sadhana, faith that this practice faith in the practice, and also faith that the practice will lead us to the goal. So those two things. So then when one has those faiths, then it's, um, then one can be doing stuff like not satisfied with one's own liberation, always thinks about others. Uh, of course, what Srila Prabhupada did with us is he got us thinking like that practically from the first day we stepped in the door. 
uh, and devotees would come and you know immediately go on Harinam Sankirtan or book distribution or something like that, even without much realization. But it was a way to get realization also. So it's not that one has to wait before one can um, speak about Krishna. Matter of fact, Srila Prabhupada would say that just um, speak whatever realization you have about Krishna. Um, and so I see people, people are starting to show up a little late due to the weather. <laughs> While engaged in preaching work, he has to meet with so many opposing elements. And therefore, the sadhu or devotee of the Lord has to be very tolerant. So, so now he's connecting mercifulness and tolerance. Right? Uh, and that's true. You never know when you go out um, to share Krishna consciousness with others uh, how people are going to react to you. Right? Some, some people who you may assume due to their dress or their appearance would be favorable throw rotten tomatoes at you. And those who you look like, wow, really mean people, say, oh, you know, where's your temple? <laughs> so it's very hard also to make assumptions based on people's externals. <clears throat> Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. And finally, not finally, but um, one other quote, which is interesting because Srila Prabhupada talks about dogs and cats very differently in this purport and the next purport. But anyway, in this purport, hey Andy, not only does the human being have a material body, but all uh, other living beings, such as cats and dogs, also have material bodies. The devotees of the Lord, the devotee of the Lord is merciful to every one, the cats, dogs, trees, etc. No, actually it was a previous purport where Srila Prabhupada says that uh, a living entity by constitution has a propensity to be attached to something. We see that if someone has no object of attachment, if he has no children, then he transfers his attachment to cats and dogs. So cats and dogs get a different uh, um, point about them in these two verses. <laughs> and I think more cats and dogs come up a little later also. But it's, it's, it's an important point that we're not even um, concern with humanity we are we're not what do they call them speciesists <laughs> whatever that you know we we see beyond even the species you know the species the human species and see that krishna is in the heart of everyone everyone which is pretty amazing when you, i mean when you think about it right that he's in the heart of the ant as well as the elephant Hare Krishna. I didn't know. What's your name now? Nandi Muki. Congratulations. Hare Krishna. <laughs> a so in the last sentence, a devotee develops all the good qualities of the demigods, whereas a non-devotee, even though academically qualified, has no actual good qualifications or good characteristics according to the standard, so this is important, according to the standard of transcendental realization. So Prabhupada is quoting a famous verse here. Um, how does it begin? Uh, oh boy, I didn't, I didn't eat my Wheaties today. But um, it, it, it begins by Jiva uh, Tapa, you can't? The one that oh, the devotee has, yes, 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 yasti bhaktir bhagavati akinshana savar gunas tatra samasate sura harer abhaktasya kato mahagunan 
So sometimes it's translated differently here. It's uh, very, um, of course, Prabhupada's paraphrasing it, but he says it very nice, nicely, according to the standard of transcendental realization. Right? So there, you could, so there may be other standards where people who aren't devotees have some good qualities. I remember when I read this, and I, um, I think the original translation is something to the effect that they have no good qualities because they are mano asato. They're on the charioter of the mind, right? And I, and I was thinking, gosh, I know some people who aren't devotees who seem really nice. And I know some devotees who don't seem so nice. <laughs> so what's going on here? So then I heard Srila Prabhupada say once um, um, that what is the use of their good qualities? And that is, that's the same point. That's a similar point to what's said here. That, okay, so someone ha there are people, obviously, in the world who have good qualities, who are nice, who open doors for, walk old ladies across the street, whatever, you know, do nice things in this world. But if they're not somehow connected with God, then, then that time problem is, so what is the use of their good qualities has a, has a you know, different, because in, in the next life, um, just doing good, of course, you may, one get, may get a higher birth, but with that, there's no connection to transcendence. Right? So again, here, he's saying the same thing, that uh, don't have good qualifications or, according to the standard of transcendental realization. So I think that's helpful to put that verse in context. Um, and there, and it, there, then it kind of um, is connected to the other points that we read in the purport because then one says oh here's a really nice person but has not yet gotten the opportunity to hear about Krishna let me see if they'd be willing to take that opportunity you know give them some prasadam give them one of Srila Prabhupada's books or, or whatever like that so, there, so there's that connection right some thoughts on this famous verse Andy and he's fam famous because the uh, Sunday open house talk today is dedicated to his question. <laughs> is the orange on? Yep, now it is. Yeah. Uh, about this, according to the to the um, standard of transcendental realization, right. I don't know if it's coming up, but somewhere in the purports that we were supposed to read, uh, he's talking about a pure devotee. Mm -hmm. only a pure devotee can actually reach bhakti so when we're told about this well it's kind of a downer I guess but no it's not a downer <laughs> the, they say that we're doing bhakti but technically according to his comments only a pure devotee can really do bhakti so he used the words like the process of bhakti or on the path to bhakti right. so, so until we become more pure we're just really like on that road and the chanting and everything we do is not really at that time not bhakti but uh did you did you pick up anything like uh, that that's a great question um yeah. you know Shri Prabhupada has had a had a one it's hard to predicate his mind but he had this challenge uh, on one hand to encourage us and the other hand to set the kind of the high standard to aim for right um so sometimes he would say uh, you know, if you're attached to what he said, if you're attached to one ladu, it's a sweet, right? In the material world, you have to take another birth. And at other times, he would say, you know, just chant, dance, and be happy, and you go back to Godhead. 
Yeah, that's it. Right, that's the one you like, right? Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's and, it's, it's both. Um, the example is sometimes given to kind of uh, address your concern is that of a mango, right? So um, uh, what, is, what is the color of an unripened mango? Green. Green, right? Yeah, and the color of a ripe one? Yellowish, yeah, right, or sometimes, yeah, yeah, right, so the unripened mango eventually will become ripe, right, just like, actually the mangoes are pretty cheap these days, you can get them for a dollar each, usually in Safeway or Giant, right, and they're really hard like a rock, like you could knock somebody over if you hit them with it, right, but you know, if you buy it, and you, I think also it helps if you put them in a brown paper bag, they, they ripen quicker, but anyway, you know, eventually they're going to ripen, and then you can offer it to Krishna and, and eat it, right, you know, you're not, it's not going to stay that rock-like mango forever. So similarly, Prabhupada said that we're like that, that we may be a green mango now, but if we just follow the process, mm-hmm. gradually we'll become, we'll become ripened. Right? Um, another time, he was asked, Shil Prabhupada, how many pure devotees are in this movement? Anyone know his answer? His answer was, how many devotees are in the movement? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you see, that's encouraging. He likes to have it both ways, yeah. Well, you know, he, uh, we were quoting this uh, yesterday. Actually, we couldn't find it yesterday. But I've quoted it before, that uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson quote about uh, uh, a, fool, a foolish consistency is a hobgoblin of small minds, right? So yes, he, not that he wanted it both ways, but, but there's times when the teacher wants to encourage the student. And there's other times when the teacher wants to stretch the student and get them to uh, um, be happier by, be, by be, in this case, being more surrendered to Krishna. Right? Okay. So, uh, you know, the thunderbolt and the rose. <laughs> so Srila Prabhupada sometimes was probably about, some people say he was about 10% thunderbolt, 90% rose. But 10% thunderbolt's a lot. <laughs> right? Yeah, and sometimes he would be on a morning walk uh, and the devotees would try to be in the back instead of the front because he would call them up one by one and give them uh, some very strong instructions. Right? So is that, is that helpful? Yeah, yes, context. yes. So we are on the path, and the path sometimes is explained as having nine parts to it. Ado shadha, the beginning having some faith. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, sadhu sangha, therefore I'm going to go to the temple and associate with devotees. And bhajana kriya, I'm going to take up the kriya, the work of bhajan, start doing sadhana, and the result of that is anartha nivritti, gradually the impurities in my heart go away, and then I become nishta, steady, and then ruchi? Yeah, ruchi is next, yeah. Ruchi, I really get a taste, uh, and then ashakti, I get really attached to Krishna, and then bhava, which is sometimes called uh, uh, prema ankur, it's a seed of pure love, and then prema. And even prema has ten steps. So, you know, put that in your sweet rice and drink it. <laughs> uh, so, we're, so there is a path chalked out by Rupa Goswami. Is that okay? Yeah, very good. Other comments, questions? Okay, let's move on. The very important verse, though, and if you, if you want to memorize any verses in the Bhagavatam, this would be one of them, to just meditate on the qualities of a devotee. Such a sadhu engages in staunch if anyone has a, uh, a smartphone, look up the w- meaning of the word staunch. 
This is what my Shesh Guru does a lot, right? He asks people to look up words. Is that what your phone says, or that's just what uh, Ananta Rupa Uvacha? <laughs> You're probably right, though, yes. Uh, such a sadhu engages in staunch devotional service to the Lord without deviation. For the sake of the Lord, he renounces all other connections, such as family relationships and friendly acquaintances within the world. Did anyone find the staunch? No? You don't get good reception here. Right? Okay. We'll go by Anant. What was it, Anantarup? Undeviated, staunch, strict. Oh, here we go. Firm or steadfast in principle, adherence, loyalty. Characterized by firmness, steadfastness, or loyalty. Strong, substantial. Very good. Thank you for that. He's connected to the ambassador. In the purport, in the beginning, a person in the renounced order of life. So remember, this is the, we are talking about sadhus and especially, well, Prabhupada is often talking here, at least in this purport, about sannyasis. Though, who is he talking to? He's talking to his mom. A person in the renounced order of life, a sannyasi, is also called a sadhu because he renounces everything his home, his comfort, his friends, his relatives, and his duties to friends and to family. He renounces everything for the sake of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. A sannyasi is generally in the renounced order of life, but his renunciation will be successful, and here's the point, only when his energy is employed in the service of the Lord with great austerity. Uh, so, again, uh, and we've, we've spoken about this um, in our Gita class yesterday and last week about uh, you know, the places in the, in the Shastra that talks about giving up connection to family, relations, and friendly acquaintances. Um, the essence is to be connected to Krishna and to have uh, loving relationships with Krishna and then also um, with Krishna's devotees. And, you know, those are the main people that we uh, or devoted, you know, spiritualists uh, make friends with, like it's called swajatiya. Um, swa, literally, swa means with and jati means cast. But it means, the way we translate it is like-minded. You want to associate with like-minded people, right? Um, people of the same interests as you, right? Um, but at the same time, we know uh, that, for example, when Brahmananda and Gargamuni, when their mom came to visit them, Prabhupada said, pay obeisances to your mother. She wasn't a devotee, at least that I know of, right? But he just said, she's your mother. She brought you into this world. You should be respectful. <laughs> and not only respectful, but they actually bowed down. Um, so the, um, the, uh, so the I idea that we've spoken about so often is the main point is becoming attached to Krishna. And when one comes attached to Krishna, everything else kind of falls in its place, naturally. Right? Um, I know, what was it, Keshav Bharti Maharaj's mother, who got initiated just like a day or two before she left this world. And Shiva Ram Maharaj gave her initiation and gave her a spiritual name and everything like that, just like that. And my mom came to Vrindavan and passed away in Vrindavan. So we, we um, but if it, if it was unfavorable, right, just like, okay, so that's my mom, 2001. Uh, 
Now, my mom, 1976, wanted to uh, deprogram me, wanted to have me kidnapped <laughs> and give up Krishna consciousness and go back, you know, go to law school and become wealthy and successful. Right? So that time I didn't follow my mom. I was still respectful to her, but I didn't follow her. Then, you know, times changed. Does, does this make sense? Uh, a little bit later, the last two sentences, when he gives up all such obligations for the here, the same point, for the sake of the service of the Supreme Lord, he, does not, he is not punished for such renunciation of obligation. But if, for sense gratification, a person renounces all such obligations, he is punished by the law of nature. So that's another thing. So usually we talk about not renouncing. But you can also renounce for sense gratification. Oh, this is just such a trip. Oh my God. My kids, you know, or I like to think that I'm an ATM machine and, you know, I have mortgage and car, I'm just going to give it all up, walk away. So that's not renouncing in order to increase one's service to Krishna. That's renouncing to get freed of one's duties. And so that's not accepted. But, um, you know, actually, the Bhagavatam isn't any um, stronger in these connections, then let's say, um, Thomas, isn't there some quotes in the Bible about uh, that wasn't Jesus quite strong sometimes about family relations vis-a-vis -vis coming to him? Sure. Oh wait, sure. where's the microphone? We, we always use the mic. This is going to be memorialized for the next 10,000 years. He'll use language like, unless you hate your father and your mother and come and come to me, you know, you can't follow me. So he'd use very strong language sometimes. You have to set aside one set of relationships and enter into a, mm. a new relationship. Yeah. Yes, Prabhu. Behind you, could you pass up behind you? So, where is... Uh, the, wait, the orange mic? Got to go from sannyas to green. Okay. So, uh, when is it considered that, let's say, one is in a relationship like mother, father, and especially when someone separates, it causes a lot of pain. Yes. And uh, it's kind of I I cannot quantify it, but. Uh, what I'm trying to say is, when is one truly relieved of a responsibility of a relationship? Um, well, as we, that's a great question. Uh, when one is actually qualified to uh, renounce that for their relationship with, with God, with Krishna. But, and I said when one's qualified, because like you, you, you know, um, you're too young. And you know um, you're you're on the other side of life, and it, you know so even in ISKCON now, Srila Prabhupada to kind of get the movement going, and he had very few years with us. He gave sannyas to people quite young. Now they have to, uh, I think it's minimum is 40 years old or 45, and they have to make sure that they're they have to prove that their family is financially taken care of and psychologically taken care of. But we can understand. another point about you know you were saying um, about the pain of separation. Uh, you know, in one sense sannyas can be a very merciful thing. Let's say you've been, you know, if people who've been, often this happens, that 
people have been married many years when one spouse passes away the other one passes away soon after that just because their whole life has been with that person so instead of having death separate us we voluntarily separate and we plan it out properly so that there's a proper separation and you know again in the Vedic times the uh, the mother is taken care of by this the eldest son right so there's no worries there she's in a nice situation and, this, and the man takes sannyas and the children are all growing and are on their own and and then it's just like a mutual discussion and a mutual agreement and I know I know devotees in in ISKCON who have done like done that and um, could you also speak about seeing Krishna in uh, any relationship that you have? Well, we can understand that in any relationship, we, 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 you know, the, base, the basis of any relationship, any, anyone we come in contact with, and that doesn't even mean human species, is one of respect. Right? Because we know super souls in everyone's heart. Right? So we have respect for everyone. Um, that's the basis. And then if one is, uh, we've talked about this many times, that in, in grihasta life, in household life, if one is married and is fortunate enough that their spouse is a devotee, then if they can focus uh, more on the fact that this is a, my wife is a Vaishnavi than my wife, then that really elevates the, that doesn't mean, you know, you, you, know, you come home and you say, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, you know. <laughs> She says, how was your day? That's nonsense, let's talk about the Bhagavatam. No, you have a relationship, right? But, um, <clears throat> but seeing uh, one another. It's interesting, uh, spending time in China. I, I used to spend a lot, not a lot of time, but I visited China, I think, four times. And there, it's, it's interesting because you get a lot of devotees who one of the spouses is a devotee and the other spouse is not interested in Krishna consciousness. And that's, you know, that's an interesting thing. A little trickier. Srila Prabhupada's uh, sister was married to someone who wasn't a devotee of Krishna. And he insisted on uh, her cooking fish for him. So she would cook fish for him. Then she would take bath and get a different frying pan out and then cook for Krishna and offer it to her deity. So, uh, the next verse. Engaged constantly in chanting and hearing about me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the sadhus do not suffer from material miseries because they are always filled with thoughts of my pastimes and activities. And the beginning of the purport, there are multifarious miseries in material existence. Has anyone ever experienced that? No, just one, two, three, okay, a few. Uh, multifarious. Anyone, uh, could you look that up also? Multifarious. Those pertaining to the body and mind imposed by other living entities and those imposed by natural disturbances. But a sadhu is not disturbed by such miserable conditions because his mind is always filled with Krishna consciousness and thus he does not like to talk about anything but the activities of the Lord. Having many different parts, elements, forms, etc. Numerous and varied, greatly diverse or manifold. So greatly diverse miseries, right? Just like uh, I have a friend who, uh, Kalakanta Prabhu, who wrote, you know, there's a song by, I don't know if it's Simon and Garfunkel or just Paul Simon, um, 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. 
So he wrote, uh, he did it differently, 50 ways to leave your body. <laughs> and because uh, there's unlimited ways you can suffer in, in this world. And so here, this is such an important point, and we talked about this yesterday, so I feel like I'm repeating it to those who were there yesterday, but at any time, we can get off the mano ratena, the chariot of the mind, and rise above it and be happy in Krishna consciousness at any time. But our mind really likes to be bewildered. So at least some people's minds, mine does, really likes to... I mean, there's almost like a taste in suffering. <laughs> almost like a taste in being bewildered and worrying and being fearful and things like that. But at any time, we can actually... It's not that those go away, but we rise above them. So just like uh, in Mumbai, it was Bombay at that time, and Tamal Krishnamaraj was tasked with the challenge of trying to get permission to build the temple. And he had his red tape in India, as those of you, many of you know, is, can be incredibly entangling. And he would come back very, you know, distraught at the end of a day of trying to deal with uh, bureaucracy. And, and he was, he was kind of like moping in the kirtan. And Prabhupada gave the class that evening. And he said, um, even if the commissioner will not give you permission, still you should dance in kirtan. <laughs> So, so it, it, it's, it's hard, you know, and when you're in the muck of, of the mind, and when someone, you know, like, you ever, you ever have someone, like, try to encourage you to dance in a kirtan, and you're not into it? You ever have that happen? <laughs> right. Um, so, so, uh, so there's, we, we have to find our own ways to just, like, hey, you know, this is just my mind tricking me again. For God's sake, this is the 10 billionth time. I can get, I'm not, I'm not my mind. I don't have to just mope around, you know, covered by ignorance and passion just because my mind is telling me that. I'm not my mind. And that's what's being said here, right? That uh, sadhus do not suffer from material, do they not suffer? Did Prabhupada not get ill? Did he not feel cold? Right? But he do not suffer from it because they are always filled with thoughts of my pastimes and activities. So this is the uh, cure-all. Uh, hearing, chanting, associating with devotees, especially taking pizza prasadam, you know, etc. So it's something to really meditate because I think all of us probably have the rascal mind um, bring, bring us down sometimes. The Advanti Brahmana in the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam says there's no enemy, there's no problem with the three modes of material nature, there's no problem with this, the only problem is the mind. So here is the, so no, no problem. Just do this 24-7. We can end the class right now, forever. <laughs> it's all good. Any thoughts, questions, comments on this? Because I know it's easier said than done, believe me. Personal experience. Yes, and Hare Krishna Prabhu. So um, <clears throat> from the beginning of these verses which you are talking about today, I'm thinking 
I mean, here they are talking about ideal behavior, a sadhu. In right. a sadhu like a code of conduct, this is what a person does, yeah. how compassionate is and all that. And I'm also thinking simultaneously of qualities of Vaishnav like we have heard and talked about before. Uh-huh. And then I'm also reminded of from Bhagavad Gita, we studied uh, in Brahma Bhuta stage, how a person behaves, how they feel. So simultaneously seems like I all these the simultaneously it seems like all these are like ideal code of conduct we yes. should strive to be at and we should dovetail our activities and lifestyle so our behavior mm-hmm. is more centered around krishna and around that we do all activities yeah but it is same vaishnav sadhu eventually reaching that stable dhir state it's all same, right? Um, it's the, not yeah, like I mean, there is a difference. They're very similar, you know, the, the, uh, the qualities of a person who's stita pragna in, um, pragna, uh, in um, second chapter of the Gita, and then the 26 qualities of Vaishnav mentioned in the uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, and then here in the third canto, and then the 29 qualities that are mentioned in the, I think it's the 11th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, they're all very, very similar. But the key one, is uh, attachment to Krishna. Smartavya satatam vishnu vismartavya najatuchit. Always remember Krishna, never forget him. And the other qualities, they come uh, depending on where we are you know, in our life and things like that. But that's the key one. It's the, uh, it's the what is it? Um, the keystone, you know, in, a, in an arch. That keystone at the top is the stone that keeps the whole arch um, from falling down, right? And yeah, and maybe it's it's strong. So the keystone quality, or in Sanskrit, the swarup lakshanam, is uh, what is? I forget the exact Sanskrit. Krishna, kanai. I forget the but oh, attachment to Krishna. And so we can have, we can strive for sadhu-like behavior, sadhu behavior, even in brahmacharya ashram or grihastha ashram, you know, whatever state, yeah. not just like, just yeah, solely sannyas. Yes, or yes, uh, because we're souls, we're ultimately not part of a different ashram. Um, and that, going back to that verse, yes, yes, the bhakti or bhagavati akinshana, that one automatically gets the qualities of, a Vaish, of a, the demigods by devotion to Krishna. So that, you know, this, this question always comes up when that verse comes up is, well, then do you just focus on Krishna or do you also try to, uh, or do you try to um, develop those qualities individually? Which one is it? And the answer is yes, <laughs> both, you know. Um, we, we try to develop humility and try not to eat more than, you know, all those things, different qualities, and we try to focus on Krishna. Other thoughts? On this verse? No? Okay. Text 24. Oh, my mother. Oh, virtuous lady. These are the qualities of great devotees who are free from all attachment. You must seek attachment to such holy men. For this counteracts the pernicious, that's another word to look up, effects of material attachment. And in the purport, Srila Prabhupada says that this is why he created ISKCON, right? He says, here also in the Srimad Bhagavatam, this is confirmed. A pure devotee who is prepared 
preparing to transfer himself to the spiritual kingdom, is also freed from the association of the three modes of material nature. We have to seek the association of such devotees. For this reason, we have begun the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. There are many mercantiles, scientific and other associations in human society to develop a particular type of education or consciousness. But there is no association which helps one get free from all material association. So that's, you know, um, that's the purpose. In other places in the nectar of instruction, Srila Prabhupada also in a couple of places talks about the purpose of ISKCON. Um, to facilitate the six exchanges of love between one devotee and another. Giving prasadam, accepting prasadam, giving gifts, accepting gifts, uh, revealing one's mind in confidence and allowing other people to reveal their minds to us. Um, so, uh, did you get Pernish? Oh yes, Pernish, there we are. Causing insidious harm or ruin. Wow, fatal. Deadly, the pernicious effects of material attachments. Wow. Some comments, questions on this? Anybody awake? Are you awake? You have a question? Okay. Don't be shy. You guys, this is where all the brains are right here, these ladies. So you have to, if you have questions, just let us know. No, go ahead. Oh, yeah, don't turn on. Don't ever. There's enough battery power to keep the mics on all class long. So don't turn them off. No, I just had a little thought because I have a lot of problem with, with my mind. No, really? You're like the only one in the universe. <laughs> uh, no, but I think if you... If you believe in this uh, thing that we're working on here, then you should avail yourself of the some of the best functions of it. So, like I realized, I had a, like a minor realization that when you're doing kirtan, the metaphor is it's like sunshine. It's like bright sunshine. It automatically dispels any darkness. Right. So why not avail yourself of that? There's no reason to be moping when you're in kirtan. That's the one time you're safe. Right. And you're in this bright sunshine. So it's there's no reason. It's that word safe because Srila Prabhupada said that the safest place in the material world is in Kirtan. Um, yeah, so, and when we're in Kirtan, there's a, there is a art to it. Uh, Sachinanda Swami calls a Kirtan arrow. Ravinda Suprabhu talks about how one time he had a professor who came to the temple and they had a Kirtan, and, and at the end, uh, Ravinda Suprabhu said, so what do you think of the kirtan? And he said, oh, it was great. I had so many thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, the idea of kirtan is to just get absorbed in, um, in hearing the holy name. And when one does that, then all of a sudden, the legs want to start moving. Right? One wants to, it's, it's a natural thing that one wants to start dancing. Other thoughts on this point? Yes, yeah, so we studied yesterday the sixth chapter of the Bhagavad Gita where Krishna says your mind can be your vipur or your pandur, your enemy or your friend. And there's so many different things about the mind. 
you know, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur once said that you should better beat it with a broom at night and with a stick in the morning or something like that. And then other, other, another idea is um, just like if you, we've talked about this before, I think, if you want to get rid of an unwanted guest in your house, what is the easiest way to do that? Ignore. Yeah, ignore, but especially don't feed them. <laughs> so uh, if you ignore uh, your mind in that way, sometimes the pernicious effects, I'm going to start using that word like every, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, um, uh, effects of the mind go, goes away. So sometimes I like to think of when you have good Krishna conscious thoughts, we have good thoughts, then um, anyone here ever been to Hawaii? Yeah, so just ride that wave as long as you can. Just ride it all the way, you know, so ride the wave. And um, when the mind is not doing so well, uh, I remember I gave the example of the Vrindavan dogs. Right? The best way to deal with Vrindavan dogs when they bark is just go, Hi! And then they just kind of go away. So that's another way to deal with the mind. But the main thing is, Savai Mana Krishna Padara Vindayo, to, to get the mind thinking of Krishna. But sometimes it's just like, doesn't want to, okay, yeah, I, mean, I know physically I'm reading this Bhagavatam, but mentally I am in another planet. Or, or I'm thinking about this problem and that problem. And, and the idea is not to just, not to be a non-dutiful person and not deal with life. But the time, the, the thing is to find time in our life that is just me and Krishna. That usually should be our japa and, and, and at least um, uh, hearing about Krishna. And if you're really spiritual, then when you're also taking prasadam. When you're eating and thinking about your ingratitude and, and tasting and not just kind of inhaling the meal. <laughs> right? um, and then there's, there's so much more time in the rest of the day to deal with life and work and flat tires and all that stuff. Right, but to find time to just um, to be with Krishna. Other thoughts? You mentioned focusing on Krishna when uh, taking prasadam. Is that why Srila Prabhupada would, often I see pictures of him, he'd face a blank wall and then the prasadam would be put in front of him and he would eat by himself? Uh, yes, yes. He, he, uh, he liked to, yes, he liked to eat by himself and, and honor prasadam. Because we say... Prasadam seva, that's actually what we say, right? That we are serving uh, prasadam by eating it in the right consciousness. He also sometimes said that if there is, if you are you're taking with other devotees, he said it should be light discussion. Not like, uh, you know, you sit down with the, uh, for your pasta and then, uh, so what do you think the difference between tattvavad and, you know, achinchabeda beta tattva and advaitavad, you know, like, you know, some deep philosophical. Uh, Thing like that. So, because um, also, in, so yes, he would like to do that. He really liked to meditate on prasadam. But also, he mentions in the nectar of instruction, in that same thing that we were quoting a little before, um, that it's natural that you get together with with. He he gives a business the business example that businessmen. What do they do to to seal the deal? You go out to lunch, right? You offer them some food. You know, these exchange and then you seal the deal, so to speak, right? So also devotees often like to invite other devotees to their homes or take prasadam together. 
and develop that rapport, that relationship. But yes, it can be a very deep spiritual meditation. And yes, and he liked to, uh, he, had, there, he had a saying, but I can't remember it, like, eat alone and do something in pairs, and, uh, but I can't remember the exact saying. Anyone remember? No. Yes, Jiva? Hare Krishna. So, again, I think uh, the science of devotion service which we started uh, from Bhakti Rasam with Sindhu Rupa Goswami gives Adha Shadha Tatha Sadhu Sangho Tatha Bhajana Kriya. It's going exactly in the same. F we earlier discussed faith and now association with the devotees, Sadhu Sangho, so that she can be engaged in devotional service, you know, get rid of all the anarthas, come to, you know, uh, nishtha, ruchi, asakti, bhava, prema, and so forth. Yeah, so it's same, similar, yeah. Yes. So Thank it's very reassuring, it's very encouraging to see that the Acharyas have, all the Shastras actually also converging to the same point and the same path. Correct. So it develops stronger faith on the path. Correct. And association is so strong. I mean, you know, I like that quote a lot that Krishna consciousness is caught as much as it's taught. Right? And I think that's, you know, you, you just associate with people and you see how they live their life. He even said that once, said about um, uh, that they should, people can come on the weekends and live with us and see how we live our lives. Okay, anything else? Okay. In the association of pure devotees, discussions of the pastimes and activities of the Supreme Personality of God is very pleasing and satisfying to the ear and the heart. Now, does it literally mean like this flappy thing? And this... Right? It means what the ear, you know, ear is your hearing and it enters the consciousness. Right? And the heart, the, where the soul is, you know, the, the soul. Um, by cultivating such knowledge, one gradually becomes advanced on the path of liberation and thereafter he is freed and his attraction becomes fixed. Then real devotion and devotional service begin. <laughs> That's the one, right? Yeah. Oh my God, it just begins when you're totally absorbed in hearing and chanting about Krishna. Yeah. Um, and I, about four or five sentences down, generally people are <clears throat> convinced of the impersonal feature of the absolute truth. Because they do not associate with devotees, they cannot understand that the absolute truth can be a person and have personal activities. This is a very difficult subject matter, and unless one has personal understanding of the absolute truth, there is no meaning to devotion. Service or devotion cannot be offered to anything impersonal. Make sense? Service must be offered to a person. Right? Okay. Non-devotees cannot appreciate Krishna consciousness by reading the Srimad Bhagavatam or any other Vedic literature wherein the activities of the Lord are described. They think that these activities are fictional, manufactured stories because spiritual life is not explained to them in the proper mood. To understand the personal activities of the Lord, one has to seek the association of devotees and by such association when one contemplates and tries to understand the transcendental activities of the Lord, 
The path to liberation is open and he is freed. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, one second here. I'm just looking for something that I took note of. So, you know, we are people, right? Anyone here not a person? Raise your hand. Okay. So we are people, um, and so how can God be less than us? Right? Um, because people sometimes say, right, the Lord is beyond form. Um, these, these are some notes that I'm going to speak on later on, right? Uh, and God, so if God is unlimited, you cannot limit him by a form. That's kind of what kind of goes through some people's consciousness. But um, everything that we see in Krishna's creation, God's creation, has form. So how can God have no form? How can no form create form? Uh, the, the creation would have something that God doesn't. And so, you know, God is in one sense then less than his creation. The complete is incomplete. So, um, the complete whole, in the, in the Shastra it says, it's everything within and beyond our experience. That's one definition of completeness. And then Krishna says in the Gita, if we want to quote Shastra, that Brahmano hi pratishth aham. He's the pratishtha, the basis. Aham, he says, I'm the basis of the impersonal. Not the other way around. So, um, but at the same time, I think, you, I think you know, we've all experienced what Prabhupada says here, that um, non-devotees non uh, cannot appreciate Krishna consciousness by reading Vedic literature and Bhagavatam, where in the activities of the Lord, they just think, what? Right, no, you know, give me a break. Hindu mythology, right, or something like that. So it takes... Uh, it takes one to know one, so, you know, it takes, um, uh, as he's, again he says here, the association of devotees. And when one associates with someone really has those two faiths, remember, in the sadhana and the sadhya, the practice and the goal, then one's, it awakens one's own faith. And people go, oh yeah, yeah, that works. So any thoughts on this? Raghunanda Prabhu? We need a microphone. It reminded me of the verse from the invocation mantra from Isha Upanishad, Om Purna Madha Purna Midam. Mm -hmm. So where the Supreme Absolute Truth is defined as being complete and as you are mentioning, everything in the creation has form and how can the source of the creation not have that form that is within the creation that's emanating from him. So it makes sense. It's completely illogical. And the other aspect I wanted to share was uh, normally like when people stick to the conception of God being, being formless, they do not want to accept the form of the Lord, but whereas the bhakti principle accepts both. Mm -hmm. The Bhagavan feature, the yeah. personal feature of God, the 
Paramatma feature, super soul feature of God and the Brahman, formless feature of God. Simultaneously, the comp- that's a complete definition of God. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing that yes. how... And we also make a distinction between Mayavadi and impersonalists. So you can be a nice guy or gal, impersonalist, that you, I don't know how it works, I don't know, I, I can't imagine, I can't understand this consciousness, but you accept that Krishna's form is eternal, but you're more attracted to the impersonal. That's fine, because you're not offensive. Yeah. Anyway, the problem is when someone's, you know, you know, Krishna, you know, ultimately impersonal in the sense that, you know, Maya, no, it's all Krishna's Maya, right? And therefore he's dumb, deaf, et cetera, et cetera, right? But, um, so then one becomes, uh, one becomes offensive to Krishna, and that's, that's an issue for devotees. Uh, in the early days of ISKCON, devotees would hear Srila Prabhupada you know, rail on, you know, go talk against Mayavadis, and they were wondering, like, Swamiji, why is, you know, must be some, you know, some, a few people that he doesn't like in India, <laughs> right? And then they kind of realize, oh, wait a second, I think he's talking about the, imperson- the Mayavadi in our hearts. Right? Yes, because as we're going to talk about later today, and we've spoken a hundred times, but we'll just repeat it one more time. Um, relationship, it, God exists and is a person, and we have a relationship with him. There's a lot of stuff behind that, a lot of responsibility on our part. And, you know, there's, all, there's do's and don'ts, there's all kinds of things there that if he doesn't exist, then you can just kind of blindly go on with your life. Other thoughts on this? Yes. What can be treated as a visible benchmark for a devotee who is affixed in the devotion to Krishna, but when a debate or debate debate with a non-devotee comes up or something, and he has to prove to him that, hey, you see this, and therefore Krishna exists, and therefore everything that we are doing is, has a sense of rationale about it. What can be that benchmark to say? Um, it's a, what would you say? Well, well I can we want to directly the, the prove. The benchmark of the devotee is, uh, so we have these three um, categories, uh, Kanishta, Madhima, and Uttama. Okay, now these, these three things, they literally just mean beginner, intermediate, and advanced. And so they're defined in different places in different ways. But to your point, um, a kanishta is one who um, has, has faith in the deities, but not much uh, faith in the devotees. And uh, wouldn't be able to, wouldn't even enter into such a debate. Okay? They have some faith, but no... Uh, and then the Majjama has faith. Uh, okay, so the, the, the Kanishta has weak faith. The Majjama has strong faith, but not strong knowledge. So they're kind of fixed in Krishna consciousness themselves, but they can't convince others, especially in a debate. The Uttama has strong faith and strong knowledge and can convince other people of such things. Now, in terms of convincing others about, all we can really do is present. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to people what they want to, you know, be, uh, if they're interested in Krishna consciousness or not. Krishna has given them that free will, and that is their prerogative. So, you know, beating them over the head with the Bhagavatam doesn't always work. 
but at the same time, presenting with kindness and logic, right, um, can be very helpful. Most people, they'll, 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 they'll definitely want, to, if, if we don't have the kindness part, um, and we're just like really heavy with them, but we're, you know, we're right. So you've heard that expression, right? Uh, operation successful, patient dies, right? So we may be right and, and everything, but because we've been such a mean person, they're like, I don't want to deal with this guy, right? So um, sometimes we, or like Lord Chaitanya, when he was speaking to the Mayavadi sannyasis in Benares, he um, was very tactful, very tactful. He, he spoke the truth. He very Same when he was speaking about the Quran with um, Nawab Hussein Shah. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, first he was very sweet. He said, we're like, you know, you're like my uncle, right? And, and, and this and that. And then he said, <laughs> then he said, you know, some of your understandings are wrong. So you also wanted the other thing. You don't want to have great bedside manners, but you don't give the medicine. Jiva? Hare Krishna. So, two instances. Again, in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna, when Arjun asked the very first verse in the 12th chapter, he's asking, who is better, a person who is you know, a devotee of yours or a person who is worshipping the Brahman? And Lord Krishna, in the second verse and third verse, he clearly identifies that his devotee is supreme means compared to to the two, so he's right. uh, more dear. And then in the fifth verse, Lord Krishna reveals that even though the impersonalists are there, it's very difficult. Klesho adhikta raste saam, avakta sakta chet saam, avakta gatir dukham, gatir dukham. Means again, for an embodied to meditate on impersonal, which is unmanifested, it's very difficult. Yeah. Dehu vad pirvyapu. It's not so easy to just think about how I'm not this body. I'm not this body. Right. And when we chant, and, and do all the practices of devotional service, the, um, the false ego, Prabhupada uses the word, that it, it, it evaporates. Yeah. And now, Miss, there was a question that raised, like, you know, when there's a discussion. So, there was one time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was strict. And it was a very beautiful pastime, because how he was strict was, Advaita Acharya was uh, God-brother of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's spiritual master, Ishwapuri. So he never, the, even though Chaitanya revealed himself, Advaita Acharya wanted to serve him, but he would always, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would always pay obeisances to Advaita Acharya. So Advaita Acharya decided to preach impersonalistic theory. Right. So Yoganishtha, he was speaking on Yoganishtha, and his explanation was very interesting. He said, like, Jnana is superior than Bhakti, because Bhakti is like a mirror, and Jnana is the eyes. So if you don't have eyes, what's the use of a mirror? <laughs> <laughs> and when he said Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, you know, and only when you get reprimanded or corrected by someone, they have accepted higher position, you have taken the lower position. So at that time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu picks up a stick and starts beating Advaita Charya Prabhu, and he's in complete ecstasy. Yeah. While his wife and sons are crying, he's a 70 plus year old man, he's going to die. That's and a Nintan, nice example. Yeah, Nitinan Prabhu is laughing. It's like <laughs> he knows what's going on. That's a good one. Hare Krishna. Shall we move on? <clears throat> Text 26, thus consciously engaged in devotional service in the association of devotees, a person gains distaste for sense gratification. Remember, that's the example of uh, 
Krishna consciousness is a one-step process. Just by picking up the spiritual, you drop the material automatically. Um, both in this world and in the next, by constantly thinking of the, about the activities of the Lord. This process of Krishna consciousness is the easiest process of mystic power. When one is actually situated on the path, on that path of devotional service, he is able to control the mind. Next verse. Thus, by not engaging in the service of the modes of material nature, but by developing Krishna consciousness, knowledge and renunciation, and by practicing yoga, in which the mind is always fixed in devotional service unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one achieves my association in this very life. There you go. Very life. For I am the Supreme Personality, the Absolute Truth. And a little down. Unless one has good engagements in spiritual service, it's not possible to get out of the attachment of material service. Think about that one. Those who are not devotees, therefore, are, not inter uh, uh, are interested in so-called humanitarian or philanthropic work, such as opening a hospital or charitable institution. These are undoubtedly good works in the sense that they are pious activities, and the result is that the performer may get some opportunities for sense gratification, either in this life or the next. One may get elevated to the heavenly planets by doing good things in this world. Devotional service, however, is beyond the boundary of sense gratification. It is completely spiritual activity. When one engages in the spiritual activities of devotional service, naturally he does not get any opportunity to engage in sense gratificatory activities. So I thought it was a really nice juxtaposition here of, you know, of pious activities in this world and transcendental activities. Right? Of course, we can spiritualize pious activities, for example, by distributing prasadam to those who are hungry instead of just food, right? And, and things like that. But, um, it's a, any thoughts on this? Yes, Raghunandan. So in the previous few verses when we were discussing about mind, I was thinking about this point of service. Because when the, the nature of the mind is always to be like fickle and jumping all over the place like a monkey, but just coming to the temple and doing some service for the pleasure of Krishna and his devotees, it has a huge impact on calming the mind and yeah. helping it to focus and it's, it's an amazing aspect of uh, bhakti where many aspects are dealt with and completely gives so many tools and solutions for us to move forward so that's interesting so what you're saying basically is that you have trust and faith in that part of the sadhana of doing service good point that's what we want right yes on hearing this statement of the Lord, Devahuti inquires, and now back to uh, Mother Devahuti, what kind of devotional service is worth developing and practicing to help me easily and immediately attain the service of your lotus feet? The mystic yoga system, as you have explained, aims at the Supreme Personality of Godhead and is meant for completely ending material existence. Please let me know the nature of that yoga system. How many ways are there by which one can understand the true, uh, in truth, that sublime yoga. 
My dear son, Kapila, after all, I am a woman. It is very difficult for me to understand the absolute truth because my intelligence is not very great. But if you will kindly explain it to me, even though I am not very intelligent, I can understand it and thereby feel transcendental happiness. Mm. And Maitreya says, so remember this is a conversation within a conversation, right? So Maitreya says, after hearing the statement of his mother, Kapila could understand her purpose and he became compassionate towards her because of being born of her body. He described the Sankhya system of philosophy, which is a combination of devotional service and mystic realization, as received by disciplic succession. Lord Kapila said, the senses are symbolic representations of the demigods, and their natural inclination is to work under the direction of the Vedic injunctions. As the senses are representatives of the demigods, so the mind is the representative of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. The mind's natural duty is to serve. When the service spirit is engaged in devotional service to the Personality of Godhead without any motive, that is, a far, that is far better even than salvation. <clears throat> Bhakti, devotional service, dissolves the subtle body of the living entity without separate effort. Remember we talked about that a few minutes ago? just as fire in the stomach digests all that we eat. There still wasn't any things to quote, I don't think, right? To read? A pure devotee who is attached to the activities of devotional service and who always engages in the service of my lotus feet never desires to become one with me. <laughs> Such a devotee who is unflinchingly engaged always glorifies my pastimes and activities. And the purport is just one sentence I want to read. The Mayavadis accept the descriptions of the pastimes of the Lord as stories, but actually they are not stories. They are historical facts. Pure devotees accept the narrations of the pastimes of the Lord not as stories, but as absolute truth. So here's Prabhupada kind of stating his faith in very strong words. It's quite a challenge to us in one sense that, wow, now am I going to accept the Shastra the way Prabhupada accepted it? That's our choice. That's quite a, quite a strong statement. 35, oh my mother, my devotees always see the smiling face of my form with eyes like the rising morning sun. Nice analogy. They like to see my various transcendental forms which are all benevolent and they also talk favorably with me. Upon seeing the charming forms of the Lord, smiling and attractive, and hearing his very pleasing words, the pure devotee almost loses all other consciousness. His senses are freed from all other engagements, and he becomes absorbed in devotional service. Thus, in spite of his unwillingness, he attains liberation without separate endeavor. Meaning, that liberation just isn't a big deal for a devotee. <laughs> They're much more into the relationship. Ah, if I don't care, I, I'm stuck in the material world or go to the spiritual world. As long as I'm absorbed in Krishna, it doesn't, doesn't matter. And matter of fact, uh, Prabhupada, nice statement that we've quoted before, devotional service and the kingdom of God are non-different. Think about that one. Devotional service and the kingdom of God are not different. Uh, text 37. Thus, 
because he is completely absorbed in thought of me, the devotee does not desire even the highest benediction obtainable in the upper planetary systems, including Satyaloka. I think we've all had that experience maybe this much, when you're just really satisfied in Krishna consciousness, you know, you're not thinking about that new car, or this, <laughs> or that, or getting a promotion. I mean, you know, you can get a, but it's just like, you're just satisfied. Mind is peaceful, the mind is satisfied by the relationship with Krishna. Evam prasana manaso, mind is satisfied. That's a good way to say it. Hmm. He does not desire the eight material perfections obtained by mystic yoga with all these cool things you can do if you become a yogi. Nor does he desire to be elevated to the kingdom of God. Doesn't even want to go back to God, right? Yet even without desiring them, the devotee enjoys, even in this life, all the offered benedictions. So you may not desire, but Krishna may still give it to you. <laughs> That's his prerogative. But as far as a devotee, Again, like this prayer, Anadhanam, Najanam, Nasundarim, Kavitam, Va, Jagadisha, Kamaye, Mama Jamani, Jamani, Ishwari, Bhavatad, Bhakti, Rahaitu, Kitwai, that the devotee is praying. Um, it, it's based on spiritual realization. I, you know, I just can't uh, emphasize this enough. The renunciation or not being interested in this material world is based on being much more interested in the spiritual world. So, therefore, a devotee can easily say, I, I, I'm okay, I'm, acquiring wealth is not the goal of my life. Uh, having a beautiful wife or husband is not the goal of my life. Um, having many, many followers, not, it doesn't matter. You know, how many likes I get on Facebook, who cares? But, you know, I just want to have, increase my bhakti. That's not, you know, you can, I, I can sit here and talk about it, but it, it's a realization we get by Krishna's mercy. It's, it's, it's not an artificial thing. It's, a it's the most natural thing. Mm. Text 38. The Lord continued, My dear mother, devotees who receive such transcendental opulences are never bereft of them. Neither weapons nor the change of time can destroy such opulences. Because the devotees accept me as their friend, their relative, their son, preceptor, benefit, after in supreme deity, they cannot be deprived of their possessions at any time, meaning their spiritual possessions. So in the purport, Srila Prabhupada writes, this is um, second paragraph? Or? The Lord is eternal. Any arguments there? <laughs> Therefore, any relationship in which we accept him is also eternal. Is that okay? Okay, because we're also eternal. Not this body, obviously. Okay, so we have an eternal relationship. Right, we were talking earlier about how, you know, even in the, if you could just imagine the perfect marriage, absolutely perfect, never fought, always got, a, got, it, got it in, uh, along with each other, brought up beautiful children, you know, everything was just, you know, just like pukka. Still, the relationship ends at a certain time. So here we're hearing, the Lord is eternal, and we have an eternal relationship with Him. It is clearly confirmed here in that the relationship cannot be destroyed. And therefore, the opulences 
of those relationships are never destroyed. So the opposites of that relationship, the loving exchanges. Every living entity has a propensity to love someone. You agree with that? Mm -hmm. We can see that if someone has no object of love, he generally directs his love to a pet animal like a cat or dog. Has anyone ever seen that? Yeah. Not everyone, but uh, people do that, especially in the West. But also increasingly in India, I see people walking their dogs like mm -hmm. in Delhi. Uh, thus, the eternal propensity for love in all living entities is always searching for a place to reside. Isn't that a powerful statement? Right? Our propensity to love, we're looking for where can I put that love? It's a very powerful purport here. From this verse, we can learn that we can love the Supreme Personality of Godhead as our dear most object. As a friend, as a son, as a preceptor, or as a well-wisher. And there will be no cheating and no end to such love. Right? Because people, why do people have prenups? just in case it doesn't work out, you know, or the spouse, you know, is after my money or something like that, right? Peanuts are especially there often because one, one of the two people has more money than the other, and they just figure, you know, right? So here, Srila Prabhupada is saying, no cheating and no end. If it is done without a tangible... Because if it is done without an what expectation... If what? You said it. What are you referring to? Uh, the love towards the Supreme. Okay. Thank if you. you go and say, okay, give me some $10,000 or whatever, whatever it is that you want. Right. And then you do not get it, then you can say, okay, I'm not coming to you. <laughs> right. And, and don't we sometimes, let's face it, I mean, I don't know about people in this room, but don't you think some people come to our temple here and come in front of the deities and say... Give me a house by the sea, Swami Jai yep. Jagadish Hari. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, yes, um, that's, there's different levels of God consciousness, and that is called um, in the fourth chapter, Sukritina. There's some piety, because at least you're going to God, you're not just saying, ah, you know, I'll do it on my, you know, my own brains. But it's not pure devotion. Pure devotion is, I don't want, I, I just want my relationship with you, Krishna. How can I serve you? Srila Prabhupada said the only thing he ever asked his guru was, how can I serve you? So isn't this just, this is just like an amazing few sentences. And then, uh, a little further down, just a few sentences down, Krishna, of course, means Krishna and his confidential devotees. Krishna is not alone. Srila Prabhupada didn't like picture, any picture that was just Krishna by himself. Yeah. 
at least there's got to be some cows there, or Srimati Radharani, or, you know, Krishna is not alone. Do any of our pictures have? No. Confirmed. <laughs> All of our pictures here, Krishna is not alone. When we speak of Krishna, Krishna means Krishna in his name, his form, his qualities, in his abode, and in his associates. And then the first sentence of the next paragraph. Krishna, the Supreme Lord, should be accepted as one's best friend. He will never cheat. He will always give his friendly advice and friendly protection to the devotee. So isn't that a nice meditation? Because we, we, you know, it's, isn't it uh, such a bad feeling when you've been cheated? Yep. Right? You buy that car and then you go online the next day and you see you could have gotten it for $2,000 cheaper. <laughs> something like that. Right? <laughs> right? Or you buy something on Craigslist and then you, you know, you get home and it... Right? Christian doesn't cheat. But we have a cheating propensity. It's such a nice verse that I think we should just end there. <laughs> it's such a, uh, you know, what is it, quit when you're ahead? So it's, you know, of course everything's a nice verse, but it's just such a nice meditation, and we only have three minutes anyway. So, um, so there will not be class for the next three weeks. I will be in uh, Sri Dham Mayapur. I'll be in the holy, holy place of Lord Chaitanya's uh, birth and pastimes. So I'll be in India, and then we will uh, reconvene. Anyone have a calendar? It's, uh, let me see, 18th to the 25th, I believe, of February. And we'll continue with the instructions of Lord Kapila. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Is Michael, can we uh, try to figure this out? Did my wife explain the issue? Are you going to do the chipper? Are you going to do the chipper? I'm getting a video. Fine.